Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed local provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. Security sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC. Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and investment advisor with over 20 years' experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm an investment advisor at Richard Young Associates, also a Dave Ramsey local provider, have an MBA in finance, and been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 20 years. I'm Gordon Leppard, and I'm a financial advisor with Richard Young Associates. Good to be here today, guys. Yeah, good, yeah. good morning. Great weekend. Great, great morning. Sure is. And we're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly radio show. We are right here every Saturday like today from 9 to 10 a.m. You can also go to our website, moneymd.net. We have a link in the top right-hand corner. You can stream us uh, during the 9 to 10 o'clock hour, or uh, we have podcast link as well that if you are not able to, to listen to us, you can go out there to the website and we have pretty much the whole year's worth of, of data. We have it sorted by topic and so forth. So we try to make it easy for you to, to listen later. Yeah, a lot of great information out there in our, our podcast. They certainly are. All these all these shows, we um, continue to dole out mm-hmm. great prescriptions and information. They're timeless in most cases. You can also reach us by email. We'd love to hear from you. If you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net. Well, guys, I think we have a, a great show lined up for today, as usual. Um, you know, we're going to – one topic we're going to jump into here is the 10 ways people just throw their money away. I mean, my dad used to say, you know, son, you might as well be just slinging quarters away in your slingshot. <laughs> that, or I've also heard it, throwing uh, throwing dollars out the window. Mm-hmm, exactly, yeah. yeah, or burning it, you know, whatever you want to say. <laughs> I mean, there's so many euphemisms for how you can uh, throw your money away. But, uh, yeah, we got the ten ways here that are very common that people throw their money away. So if you want to save some bucks, listen up here. This is a great topic. Yeah, that's right. We're going to follow that up with a, um, a pretty interesting question um, um, CNN Money has uh, a gentleman who answers questions, and this guy's talking about trying to time the market. And the response is um, is interesting. It goes into some pretty good facts historically of why this is uh, pretty much a foolish way of uh, trying to manage your money. So we'll uh, dive into that topic and then have a good one following up from uh, Gordon. Yeah, we're going to talk about um, today's retirees. You know, are, are, are you living your dream? And what are some of the retirees doing now? Uh, in fact, one, one gentleman, he uh, he writes this blog, and, and he touches on the subject, John, that you just mentioned. Uh, he has a great piece in there that uh, mm-hmm. looks back at just simple investment principles and sticking, staying with uh, the strategy, sticking through the hard times. Uh, it's be a fun article to look yeah. at, see what they're doing these days. Living your dream. That sounds like a great one. Looking forward to it. Okay. That leads up here to our financial fact of the week. Yeah, this comes from the Standard & Poor's um, company. And, um, guys, seven years ago, the the euro peaked at about $1.60 
um, uh, you know, as the as a metric. And as of this last week, the euro closed at a dollar ten. So basically, the the euro is much weaker. Um, that makes the dollar very very strong, and that has a negative impact on U.S. exporters um, because it makes everything more expensive here in the U.S. And that's critical to most American companies since about 46% of revenues of the average S&P 500 company come from foreign sales. So there's a headwind for the U.S. Uh, markets right now. Um, but also it's hurt international returns over hurt time. international investments particularly, investments, right. right? Because, I mean, if you have money that you've invested overseas, when you translate that back into American dollars now – Rather than translating it back at you know a dollar sixty, you're translating it back at a dollar ten. So you've essentially lost like thirty three percent of your of your international investments, even though you have, they've made pretty good returns. The return translated back has been very very poor over the last seven years. And yeah, we do see the the um, it's kind of a net sum game. We do see the 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 dollar and the euro and other currencies over time. You know, it evens out. So right now it's been very strong for the dollar, but there's been periods where it's been very weak. Exactly. It does go in cycles. Plus, I mean, it's sort of a self-correcting problem over time because international companies now have a big advantage over U.S. companies, Mm -hmm. right? Because they can sell their goods and services to us a lot cheaper than they could seven years ago. Sure. So it tends to help the international markets over time, helps their earnings, um, helps their sales. So. Uh, you know, you don't want to try to time the market or based on this. It moves unpredictably, um, but a very interesting fact nonetheless. Yeah, so. it's, a, it's a huge move over seven years. Sure is. So great fact of the week. Okay, that leads up to our first topic here, and that is the 10 ways people just throw their money away. You know, um, <laughs> there are a lot of ways to be frivolous, guys, but then there are ways just to mindlessly throw it away. And that's what we're talking about here. Just like my father used to say, son, you might as well be shooting quarters out of a slingshot. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that was when quarters were worth a lot, too, guys. So that was some money back then. But, you, you know, I mean, we're all guilty of occasionally making poor financial decisions. But then there are ways that some people just let money run through their hands like a sieve. You know, I mean, you buy a new pair of shoes that you realize in about a week you really don't need or even like. Um, maybe you bought a vehicle that was totally impractical and a gas guzzler in the past. Uh, but, you know, what we're talking about here are the crazy ways to just kind of flush money down the toilet. I mean, you might as well be using Ben Franklin's to start your fireplace, as I've heard people say before. <laughs> You know, and we've certainly touched on a lot of these before, but some of these are also brand new, you know, new ways you can flush your money. So you don't want to be this person, but I suspect a couple of these probably will touch a nerve and bring up some painful decisions of the past. So hang in there. But here's the first one. Yeah, number one on here on the list is buying extended warranties on your appliance. I mean, I know you justify the warranty based on a bad experience you had some time ago uh, when the appliance went dead after only maybe, you know, 13 months, one month after the original warranty ended, right? Yeah, right. We've all had that happen. But the fact is, I mean, most appliances never die in two or three years. And when they do, it's maybe a switch or something that costs less to fix in the cost of the extended warranty. And, you know, then the one time you had an extended warranty and actually needed it, you can't find the original paperwork, the receipt, or, you know, the the phone number. So, you know, save your money and stick to the original warranty. Well, one easy way uh, now, you're talking about the breaking of appliances. Go to YouTube. 
Mm-hmm. That can literally oh, save yeah. you hundreds of dollars. It can. And see how to fix that switch that you were talking about. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you can find Very out good point. how to do anything almost on YouTube nowadays. That's pretty amazing. That was a good one. All right, number two on the list is maintaining comprehensive insurance on a 10-year-old car. And we've talked about this several times before, but people do this all the time. I still see it. You know, by default, they simply um, leave the insurance on their car because they, they haven't done the math or they don't bother to think about changing coverage as their car gets older. But, you know, consider that you you could you should have about $1,000 or more in deductible in your car. Your 10-year-old car is probably worth a few thousand dollars. Um, you've, you've probably been paying maybe an extra $500 a year to have comprehensive coverage on that car. It could it could only possibly pay out maybe $2,000 if you totaled it after your deductible. So the, the bottom line here is drop the comprehensive coverage on your car after about five years. Add an extra premium. Um, add that extra premium to your emergency fund. So you, you may pad your emergency fund if necessary to pay for any accidents. And simply carry liability insurance on those old cars. Um, you'll save a bundle over the lifetime of owning you know, older cars. So that was a good one. Next one on the list is running premium gas in your automobiles. Staying with the car theme here. <laughs> you know, I, I know the manufacturer recommends that you use the higher octane gas a lot of times on, on your car so you can get the full 290 horsepower or whatever it is out of your engine. Um, you know, you assume it's mandatory and it won't run without it. Well, you know, in the old days, that may have been true because back in the old days, cars were tuned to a certain octane level for your gas. Muscle cars. Exactly. <laughs> you know, but today's cars are run by a computer. The computer in your car automatically adjusts your tuning to the fuel you know, to the oxygen level coming out of the the car and the O2 sensors. So you don't need to pay an extra 25 to 50 cents a gallon for your gas in your car. Wow. You know, I mean, you're just burning $5 bills every time you fill up. And unless you're taking your car to the racetrack, you know, it's <laughs> wasted money. Okay. So, you know, don't. don't go be that person. I mean, don't worry about you're not going to get the better gas mileage to compensate you for the added cost. The Mythbusters musted that one a long time ago. Mm. So, you know, avoid buying the premium gas. Avoid the high octane. Exactly. Well, this is one that you don't want to avoid. You don't want to avoid missing out on on the 401k match that they're offering at work. Definitely This is one that too many people actually do miss out on. Uh, Your match is part of your pay, so if you don't contribute enough uh, to get your match, then you are foregoing part of your pay. I mean, literally, you're doubling your investment there when you put that money in, and the, the employer puts money on top of that, you know, to match it. That money's just doubling, basically. You know, so it's a it's a no brainer. Uh, a lot of people say, "Well, I'm in a hardship, or I can't start it." Well, what tends to happen is that they never start it, and they miss out uh, on a lot of money that uh, could have gone a long way. We recommend putting, uh, we, trying to get up to at least fifteen percent uh, eventually, but start where you can and at least get the employer match. Exactly, and then increase it every every year when you get a raise. Increase it by one percent, right. so you build yourself up to and at least ten percent, and then maybe your match brings you up closer to fifteen percent. We recommend you save at least fifteen percent a right. year 
in total, including your match, to your retirement. And eventually you'll be there. Exactly. Like exactly. But you got to get that match. Like you said, Gordon, I mean, that's that's part of your compensation. You're just foregoing, to, you know, your compensation. Free money. By not doing that. Okay. That leads up to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net. Or you can give us a call during regular business hours, 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is an advisor at Richard Young Associates, along with us. And so we are continuing our discussion here before the break about the 10 ways that people throw their money away. Um, you know, I'm talking about just flushing it down the toilet here, unfortunately. <laughs> You know, and this is so common. I mean, we see this all the time as financial planners, see folks coming in and, you know, they'll have things like um, comprehensive insurance on their car that's that's 10 years old, you know. Um, or if you dig into their budget, they might have an extended warranty they're buying on, on appliances or, you know, I mean, we, you see people filling up and they burn premium gas in their automobile because they think that's required, mm-hmm. you know, that a car won't run without it. The truth is, it will run without it. it. Runs just fine without it in most cases because it has a computer that adjusts the the uh, the timing and the and the um, you know the tuning to the lower octane fuels. So you don't need to do those kind of things. And then you know we also touched on not taking the full match in your four hundred one k, taking advantage of that. That is free money. Oh yeah, that's money that's a waste. Of, yeah, it's part of your compensation. So you got to do that. You got to make the get the full match. Put all the money in your four hundred one k, and we actually actually recommend that you get up to at least ten percent before the match, and 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 get you on up to about fifteen percent in total um, saving for retirement. So you want to make sure you're doing that. Next one here on the list, though, is buying name brand medicine when a generic is readily available. Um, again, you know this is this is really common. You know, one time I went to my pharmacist. And he told me that I could get Flonase for my sinus infection that I had, which is some kind of uh, spray, you mm-hmm. know, you put up in your sinus to, to get rid of the infection. He said I could get that for 20 bucks instead of like $100 for the Nasonex that my doctor had written up as a prescription. Um, in fact, it was it was uh, Family Pharmacy mm-hmm. in Aiken. In Aiken you know? yeah. yeah, they did a great, great job for me there. And they actually called my doctor and got the prescription changed. Yeah to the generic and you know that's a great money saving way i mean and it's a great service from a pharmacist but you know the truth the same is true of many many medicines you know you you, you're if you're buying the name brand medicine there's almost always very often a generic medicine that does the same exact thing or is very similar yeah in, in what it does. A lot of times you just have to ask, right? Exactly. I mean, I know uh, Jay Watts over there very well, and they, they very customer service, very, you know, they're local folks. So Yeah, they did a great job um, for me there. Yeah. Great way to save money. It just makes me think of how many people, though, that don't do that, don't mm-hmm. even ask, don't ask their doctor. So ask your doctor when you get a prescription if there's a generic available, how much is that going to cost? You know, ask the question because you're throwing money away if you're 
by the name brand medicine when a generic is available. Next one here on the list is ordering appetizers, drinks, and desserts when you go out to eat. Um, you know, this is where restaurants really make a killing and people waste a ton of money, you know, by the bucket. Um, okay, I mean, everybody likes a nice dinner out occasionally, sure, but you can easily double your bill if you demand the full treatment. Absolutely. Quick. No doubt. I mean, you take the $8 for the appetizer, $7 for dessert maybe, $3 for a drink. It can easily add up to like 25 bucks a person if you're not careful, you know, particularly if you're drinking wine or something. So keep it simple. Save a bundle. You'll save like $50 a week in savings, you know, possibly if you eat out twice. That would be $2,500 a year. So, you know, don't get the full treatment um, when you go out for dinner and, and get soaked by all the add-ons. And if you have to have that uh, appetizer, re- remember the Retail Me Not uh, app mm-hmm. that we talked about? Yeah. They usually have a free appetizer coupon sometimes there yeah. uh, on there. So check it out. If you if you have to have one, look. Yeah, that's right. That's that's fantastic. I mean, that is a lot of money, too. People don't realize. Oh, man, realize. it adds up. A ton of money. Huge. Yeah. That's right. So uh, number seven here on the list is having an expensive cell phone plan. And you're not even using it. I mean, so you're wasting that piece of it. Maybe you do have an unlimited plan, and you're only using a thousand minutes a month. But um, you know, cell plan prices they've fallen drastically over the years. So the uh, question is, have you shopped your plan recently? I mean, you could be way overpaying for what you're using. Perhaps you even have a landline. A what? A landline? <laughs> what is that, John? We don't yeah, know. I was, the... <laughs> I was talking to my son the other day about a, a rotary phone. He's like, "What? <laughs> What's that? Does it like turn over?" Yeah, right? yeah, right. That's funny. Yeah, I mean, we recently dropped our landline, um, but we just added a, a throwaway cell phone right. to our cell phone plan for ten bucks a month. Put transfer the number to it. Now you can transfer the number, keep your number, and so we did that. So you can't even tell when you call our our home phone anymore. But it's really another just another cell phone, and mm-hmm. it saved us like thirty bucks a month. So wow. that's go. pretty decent. Hey, there's your appetizer. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so I mean, that's every single month. That's th- almost four hundred dollars a year. So yeah. Next one here on the list is keeping subscriptions that you don't need or use. You know, how many times do you sign up for some monthly service? In which you stop using it, and then you intend to drop it, but you only forget about it. And then you figure out like a year later, you're still paying for this subscription or service. You can't even figure out how to cancel it now. You don't know where the number is, and you can't find the can't number. can't remember your password. They always make it hard oh, to cancel absolutely. these things, right? Absolutely. So it goes another couple months before you finally, you know, do enough searching that you find the number and you call them, you know. I mean, it happens all the time. So don't let your money just get frittered away one subscription at a time. Don't do that. And next on the list here is not comparison shopping for a new car. Believe it or not, a lot of people do this, you know, and um, I'm sure this is not you, but many people simply go to their favorite dealer and they accept whatever deal they come up with. Obviously, this could translate into huge dollars, um, but it goes something like this. I mean, you walk in the car dealership, you see the one you love, the salesman talks you into a test drive. He tells you that they happen to be having a special on trade-ins this month and only 2.9% financing or whatever it is. Or just today. Just today. <laughs> just exactly. today. Today, today only. That's right. You know, I mean, he does the math, tells you he's giving you this great deal, this sale just today, $2,000 off on your car, a good deal on your trade-in. Sounds reasonable, so you buy it. Had you taken the time to gone to go and get two offers sold the used car yourself, you might have saved like Mm $3,000. So, you know, know what you want. Know what a good price looks like before you go in to make the deal. 
That, that's huge, you know, make, making your mind up before you go uh, that's to it. see those folks. Uh, that is big. Another one, uh, your thermostat. Ever thought about your thermostat whenever you're on vacation, mm-hmm. Steve? Uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, that's that's why this one is included. Uh, but turning it or adjusting the thermostat when you do leave home. Uh, so your excuse is, I don't have a programmable thermostat. So simply, uh, you forget to change it when you leave. Well, if you don't have one, you need to get one. Get to Lowe's or Home Depot. You know, they're only thirty or forty dollars, and it could literally end up saving you, you know, a hundred dollars a month or more. The Heating and air condition is uh, unit is by far the largest power consumer in your house, so you have to limit the use, you know, to the bare necessities, especially while you're gone. Uh, you know, program the thermostat to 82, right around 82 degrees or so, you know, during the summer, uh, and then you know down to 60 maybe during the winter while you're gone but if you if you take this small step it can literally save you a ton of money yeah. while you're on vacation exactly you know? some so, people some people like it like frosty in their house too uh, i kind of like it frosty guys, in my you know, house you know? i don't know who that would be <laughs> that, that would that would be me <laughs> gordon um you know and if you like it frosty and you leave thermostat you leave that thing turned down and it's cranking up full blast man yeah. it is Especially a ton of money but yeah. you know what during the summer that is definitely <laughs> something i'm conscious of yeah and, and i make sure hey it's not going to take that long to get back down to where we need it to be yeah, so we you know we would make that adjustment. Yeah, have for a sure. programmable thermostat, set it on a reasonable temperature, but have it automatically go off when you would normally leave, so that if you come back home, you know you you just bump it down temporarily, yeah. right? And then use the temporary bump down. Don't put hold, okay? <laughs> Don't let your kids put <laughs> permanent hold. adjustment there. Right, exactly. Okay, well takeaways here are you know there are many ways to throw your money away quickly without consciously buying anything frivolous. Um, luxury items or even going on binge spending spree it just happens so you have to pay attention to your daily habits continually reevaluate you know whether you still need those routine expenses that come out of your bank account or get charged to your credit card there are plenty of things that might go unnoticed which can easily add up to thousands of dollars every single year if you're not paying attention so be conscious you know be purposeful about your spending and save a bundle of money all right, guys, that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, this question has to do with life insurance for kids, and it says, uh, I received a flyer in the mail from Gerber for child life insurance, and, uh, you know, should I buy insurance for my, my kids, uh, four, two, and one? And kind of put this, in, I mean, short answer is no. Um, our view is insurance is to protect incomes, and unless your baby is a superstar on uh you know, an ad campaign somewhere than yeah. say, unless it's he's the Gerber Mikey. baby. He's, yes, maybe he's right. Mikey on the life uh, yeah. cereal commercial. To, to put this in perspective, uh, for a, a newborn for fifty thousand dollars of coverage, it's thirty bucks a month. If you took that invested in mutual funds at eight percent return, they would have about fifteen thousand in, in eighteen years. And I ran another. I wow. got a quote for a twenty-five year old for a twenty years worth of insurance, a five hundred thousand dollar policy. It's twenty bucks a month. So infant is thirty dollars a month for fifty thousand coverage. Twenty five year old for half a million for twenty years of coverage is twenty bucks a month. I was month. gonna say that's a twenty year wow. level a lot of term. Numbers. Yeah, right. A lot of yeah. numbers, but it's very expensive insurance. So Yeah, don't even the one dollar a month or thing that they, they sometimes offer babies, don't get it because you'll don't. keep it when it goes yeah. up and it's it's not worth it. That's another waste of money, right? Absolutely. <laughs> we just we could have put that on yeah, the list. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Okay, well, that leads up to our break here, but if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call, Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages and GMA News. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD. Money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marvin, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who's a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is an advisor at Richard Young Associates, along with us. And so we are leading off our next uh, segment here with a new topic, and that is a smarter investment strategy for retirement. Yeah, this is uh, well, not just for retirement either. It's really for. Um, uh, you know, just as you prepare for retirement, building wealth and so forth. But this is a question that was asked to um, uh, CNN Money, and a gentleman answered it, Walter, up to grave. And um, so we're going to kind of kind of read through it and talk about it from, from his perspective because uh, it's pretty interesting. And so the question is, is um, it's from Tim H. It doesn't say where Tim H. is from, but it says, I've moved all my money to uh, money market funds. My plan is to wait for the crash. And when things start looking better, get back into the market to ride the rebound. Do you think this is a good idea? And uh, so Walter, up to grave, the CNN Money uh, columnist, um, pretty much slams it pretty good. And uh, it's pretty good, interesting facts and stats in here. So we're going to kind of go through this a little bit, talking about market timing and why it's not a good idea. Short answer, though, I'd say it's a great idea if it's possible, <laughs> if you could do it. Yeah, yeah but there's really no chance. There's I mean, no chance. Yeah, no one's ever been able to up, do that. So yeah. don't do it. So uh, this, uh, Walter goes on to say, if I thought you were able to predict when stocks will crash, when the market will hit the bottom and uh, when it'll actually recover, then I'd say your plan is, is masterful. A surefire way to avoid losses, capitalize on gains, and boost your long-term return. Unfortunately, your chances of doing all that range between zero and none. And, um, you know, so he, uh, Walter goes on to say, I consider your idea a fantasy, not a bona fide plan. The problem is that, you know, while it's easy to identify market peaks, it peaks in retrospect, it's virtually impossible to call the market tops in real time. You know, let's go back into the late 1990s. In late 1996, for example, uh, former Federal Reserve Chairman Alan Greenspan delivered his famous irrational exuberant speech. And I remember that. I remember that. Uh, it was in the midst, midst of the dot-com bubble, and some inv- investors interpreted his remarks as a not-so-veiled warning that stock valuations were stretched so thin that the markets must be headed for a crash. And, and it was, except that the crash didn't come until three years Later, and that was a stretch which stock prices more than doubled. So, ouch, he missed it by a little bit, didn't he? Just, just three years, you know, th- three and a half years. So, but that's again, we talk about making predictions and making uh, decisions based on that. So, you know, it's impossible to time these things on the on the top end and also on the bottom end as well. Yeah, no doubt. And I think when they did correct it back in uh, 2000 through 2002, I don't think they ever got down to the price when he made that comment back in 1996. Right. So even if you <clears throat> timed it perfectly, you know. Uh, still would come ahead. Still would come out ahead just by staying in the market, I guess, is the bottom line here. Yeah, I mean, we could very well be in a similar situation today, you know, that we're back in 96. I mean, you know, the market's been rocky this year. Investors are understandably concerned about losses in the Chinese stock market. International stocks have been weak. Um, 
There's just a lot of things out there that have been going on in the markets and the economy that have people worried. Um, but, you know, the fact that stock prices have more than tripled in the past six years or so only adds to the anxiety. I mean, if you look at where the stock market is and how far it recovered since the bottom of the mm-hmm. uh, the financial crisis back in 2009, um, it really has made a huge recovery. Um but none of that necessarily means that we're in we're we have an imminent meltdown coming. That's the point here. Right, right. For all anyone knows, I mean, this bull could have a lot farther to run before it runs out of steam. It's it's just impossible to tell. And even if you do somehow manage to get out of the market at the right time, you've still got to figure out when to get back in. And again, guys, that's no easy feat either. I mean, for example, if you look at the bull market um, prior to the one that peaked in October of two thousand seven after which it began a long decline of, you know, like 57% lower by the time the market slide ended in early March of 2009. And while it's easy looking back and, and, you know, seeing that it took almost a year and a half for the markets to hit bottom, it's not obvious to investors who are living through it. No one was waving a flag on March the 9th, 2009, saying this is the bottom. I remember very well um, in uh, in January and February of 2009, the markets were off about 20%, and that was on top of what happened in 2008. So it was not a real positive time in the markets, but it flipped on March the 9th. Yeah, I mean, it really fell fast. Yeah, well, and, and consider this, you know, after peaking in October of 2007, stock prices dropped almost 20% over the next five months long, uh, at which point they then abruptly rebounded roughly 12% over the next two months. Well, you know, some investors, they saw that as a, a, a mini rally, which it was, a, a brief respite from the, the bear market. But, you know, trying to catch that rebound and the price stocks could easily have taken um, a sign that, hey, things are looking better. You know, we're on the upswing. Well, shortly thereafter, um, they plummeted another yeah. 50%. Yeah, that's right. Over the next 10 months. Yeah, bottom out 10 months later. So these mini rallies, um, people may have jumped back in, and then it went down another kind of like a false front on a uh, green there, Steve. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, it happens. You know, you, people don't recognize... I mean, even though it's down, there's always a better chance that it's going to recover. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, you, there's no way to time it. That's right. You know, one third of the time it continues down. And and remember, it's not as as if investors in March 2009 actually knew that the market had hit its had its uh, low point. We know that now because we can look at the stock chart. But back then, for all anyone knew, the market could have even gone lower. And uh, similarly, even after the rebound was underway, it wasn't as if investors knew whether the recovery would, would last or, or, or peter out. I mean, in fact, the recovery went was hardly a straight line up. In 2010, prices sagged more than 15%. And in 2011, the markets dropped almost 20%. So we know now that these were just, you know, speed bumps in this bull market that we've been in. But investors had no way of knowing that at the time. And all of this is to say that, you know, this notion that someone is going to jump in and out of the market to ride the crest of rising prices or or maybe avoid the uh, the inevitable wipeouts is nothing more than magical thinking. It really is an exercise in futility. It sounds good when you look at these charts. It feels like you can time and make these decisions, but that's not how it works in reality. Everybody has a gut feel, you know, and, and in hindsight, you feel like, oh, I think I, I predicted that. You know, you have this selective memory about when you would have gotten back in and and what you, your gut feel was back then. But the truth is, you know, that's just that's just driving 
um, in, 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 I mean, that's just yeah. looking in your rearview yeah, mirror. Right. Hindsight's where you've 2020. Been. Right. It's hindsight, right. I mean, so the question is, what's a better strategy? Well, I know many people that are in that position, you know, that is sitting on a big pile of cash that are too nervous to put the money in the market. You know, they may sort to resort to um, dollar cost averaging, um, moving a little bit into stocks, a little bit at a time, in an attempt to kind of reduce the risk of getting hammered. Um, but really, you know, that strategy may be emotionally comforting. It, it really doesn't make a lot of financial sense when you kind of break it down. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the smarter way to go is is to create a mix of stocks and bonds that suit your, your tolerance for risk. Um, it allows you to partic- participate in the games when the market climbs, but also affords a measure uh, protection when it when it falters. So, you know, that means having some bonds in there for most people. Um, you know, there's uh, Vanguard has a, a 11 question risk tolerance or asset allocation that can help. We have one internally that uh, we can help you with. It kind of walks through and helps you figure out what your risk uh, profile is. And I know there's some other options as well. Yeah, there are some other options, you know, online or some different places. If if you're wanting to uh, shell out an extra $45 or additional fees just to go through a, a questionnaire to help you put together a suitable asset mix, um, you can do this with a, a more rigorous 25-question risk profile offered by Finmetra, uh, excuse me, Fina Metric, Metrica. Um, is that a real company? I don't know. Let's look it up there. <laughs> um, once you settle on the stock mix that makes sense for you, you know, the idea is to uh, set aside, you know, periodic rebalancing occasionally, but just, you know, stick with the plan. Yeah, I think the rebalancing is a key point. That's that's a way that you can, if you have some bonds in the markets, when they do drop, you can sell a piece of the bonds and go buy the equities when they're low in anticipation at some point of them coming back. So, so are you saying sell high and buy low? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a novel good. idea. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So, uh, you know, you can skip this discipline approach and engage in uh, in the guessing game of trying uh, to figure out the market moves, um, you know, but that's dangerous. I mean, we see that time and time again. So we feel like the prudent strategy is, is be diversified in, um, you know, 10 or so different asset classes, do some rebalancing, have a plan, try to get out of this noise. It'll drive you absolutely crazy. And just have discipline. Just stick yeah, it out. You know, key. don't get antsy after a year of flat markets. Just stick it out and forget about it. Go do something else. You know, just forget about the markets till times are better. But stick to your long-term strategy of being diversified, staying invested, and rebalancing. That's the money doctor's prescription. Yeah. For that. Okay, well, that leads up to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call. Richard Young Associates, 706 739 You're listening to MoneyMD. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbet, a certified financial planner. And I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is an advisor at Richard Young Associates, along with us. And we are going to lead off our last segment here with the prescription of the week. Yeah, Scott, you know, the um, financial fraud is prevalent. We hear about that all the time out there. Unfortunately, um, it's occurring more and more in elderly people. And um, one in five adults over the age of 65 have been uh, a participant of fraud. I mean, they have been taking 
uh, in some cases, to the cleaners and lost all their money. So here's a prescription. Have an agreement with your elderly parents before they give any money to uh, an institution. Um, At some point, you may have to get a financial power of attorney as well. But have those discussions with them. I mean, you can start to tell if they're having issues managing money, but have some rules that, that you're talking with them on that you can partner with them so they don't get um, you know, part of fraud. Yeah, that's a great idea. That's kind of a touchy subject. I it, mean, it's, it can't it's be. It's sensitive. It you know, can so be. you got to be careful kind of how you word that with your, your elderly parents. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's really, really important to have your finger on the pulse of what's going on with your elderly parents to make sure they're not slipping into some kind of fraud because it's such a easy thing to happen yeah, with and that, elderly parents. And they're targeted. I mean, the fraudsters are, are targeting elderly people. So just have the conversation. You're right. In some cases, some families, it's going to be a, a, a very touchy subject, but at some point it needs to be addressed. Exactly. Well, that's a great prescription of the week. Okay, that leads up to our last topic here, and that is a... Uh, living the dream. Living the dream for retirement. I like it. Your, your dream's what, on the golf course, maybe? I, you know, it's <laughs> golf is in the mix there somewhere. Your, you know, that's not my total dream, is it but... like a 4,000-yard um, course that you can... 4,000-yard course. That's uh, a pretty real good. Sh- you could birdie real, pretty much, you know... Real short course, yeah, you mean? Yeah, nothing but, fours that are 250. No, nothing I mean, but irons I, I like there. the challenging course. So <laughs> okay. I, I want one in the mid-6,000 okay, range, right. you know? I just didn't but, know. I mean, I know you like to score well. At the same time, well, yeah, so. it's, it's, you know, it's hitting those beautiful, nice, nice draws right uh. into the... Right on the green. To the water. Oh, exactly. <laughs> That's me. On the green. Well, I was going to say, John, so what, what does uh, what does living the dream kind of look like to you? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I like golf. Uh, I'm starting to pick it up a little bit more. So the next time we play in a tournament, I can hold pull uh, my weight. Watch um, out, Steve. So a little Excellent. bit of that, you know, spending time with family, I think, uh, is going to be uh, important, um, whether it's uh, down at the coast or whatever. So volunteering, I think, is a big piece as we talk to retirees. Uh, we're we're made to do something, and uh, we all have talents and skills. So I think volunteering would be a big piece of it. Absolutely, I, I've had the great fortune, I, I believe, uh, just to sit down with numerous older people, you know, mm-hmm. that have been down the road a lot further than I have. And one of the questions I, I like to always ask them are about their dreams and what are some of the things that they would do differently. And John, exactly what you said. Time with family seems to be a common thread with just about everyone. And not not one person has said, man, I wish I would have made that extra million. I wish I'd have closed that other deal. It always kind of comes back to family Mm -hmm. and following some of the dreams, getting to do some of the stuff that they didn't get to do. You know, so um, that's kind of what this article is about. You know, living the dream. and, And, you know, part of that process is making sure that we plan well. For the future, you know, so the the face and the pace of retirement living has dramatically changed over the last decade. And it's it's no shock that retirement brings a lot of free time, you know, like you were saying. So that leaves time for, um, you know, the. The, the the charity the the giving the volunteering and stuff like that serving is really what it comes mm-hmm, down to mm-hmm. you know but um you know it's, it, it does leave a, a world of possibilities um yeah and it comes down to finances too you have to plan properly right. so that financially you can afford to to live your dream 
Um, but here's the million-dollar question. You know, what are today's retirees doing with their time and resources? What is the ideal dream here for the current retirees? Yeah, and, you know, a lot of people are filling it with a, a lot of social and community activities. Others enjoy a little bit slower pace. But a yeah, new activity, which is taking the modern retirement community by storm, is, is blogging. What? Never would have thought. Yeah, blogging. blogging. I mean, no matter where what you is fall that? on the spectrum. What is that, John? You're going to have to define that for our older crowd here. It means that you're typing your opinions online so everybody can see them so it's a hobby now well I mean, and, and here's the thing steve is that believe it or not there's probably more of our listeners that actually <laughs> do know what blogging is yeah. than we would probably that's, uh that's realize yeah. because yeah. you know like i said here it's taken the retirement community by storm so whether you decide to start your own blog or just browse through the musing of other fellow retirees here are three retirement blogs that we're going to cover real quick that we think that you'll really, really enjoy. Uh, the first one is called Home Free Adventures. Uh, one couple, Tim and Lynn Martin uh, from California, they decided to sell their home, live out of suitcases, and spend their days touring the world. So they just decided to, you know, live on vacation, basically, with the money that uh, they would have spent on their California lifestyle. Lynn writes about their travels. She gives advice to others who may uh, choose to follow in their footsteps and maintains a nationally recognized blog all the while. Uh, read Tim's take on how they found themselves traveling full-time. It's pretty interesting. Uh, you can find that at Home Free Adventures. That's cool. That sounds like you know, fun. Yeah. It, it, it does. And the thing about it is the California lifestyle is usually a hundred or excuse me it's 50 percent uh higher mm-hmm. uh, the cost of cost living, of living yeah. is 50 percent higher than the national average anywhere else so who knows what kind of yeah. nest egg they're actually working with there and here's another yeah. blog it's uh it's called retired sid syd dot typepad.com and sydney uh Lagier is uh, is unbashfully living a daily pursuit of happiness whether that's volunteering take some piano lessons or maybe absolutely doing nothing at all at when she's writing about every step along the way and um you know anything from adopting a stray cat to christmas traditions to how much she you know loves her apple watch she is uh, approachable honest and her writing has a dash of satirical flavor to it and it makes it fun to read so you know again the blog is retired sid syd dot typepad dot com so I think I have to check these out. I'm a couple years away the, from retirement. But, the one, the uh, one on uh, the Apple Watch years. was really good. Really? Yeah. That's good. pretty cool. Yeah. Another example here is LaterLivingBlog.com. Um, yeah, this guy, Warren Flick, he collects stories and reflections uh, all, around, all surrounding the topics of retirement. He posts reviews on everything from books to retirement communities, uh, anecdotes um, from his travels, and uh, he posts reviews on everything from, <clears throat> from uh, you know, beautiful photos um, from his latest destination. He wrote a great piece back in March titled Wrestling Unknown Knowns. <laughs> um, that's confusing. Oh, well. It is kind of confusing, but that, that that's the one I was re- uh, referring to that really talks about uh, – the, the investment strategy and sticking with hmm. the knowns. Yeah, mm-hmm. investing yeah. investing success is not all about choosing the best stock winners. You know, about spreading your risk and the right allocation. Yeah, I mean that's a that's that sounds pretty good. So yeah, and, retire laterlivingblog.com. dot com. I mean, all these folks are. I guess these are all wannabe writers that all of a sudden they've found there's a way now to to be an author. Yeah, you know, right. you can get out there. You don't have to get published. Yeah. It's cheap. Write your book one yeah. page at a time. Well, it's cheap, and it can also produce 
income, mm-hmm. believe it or not. You know, blogs can literally uh, produce income. So now that you're inspired, maybe you want to start your own blog. You say, well, man, that sounds intimidating, you know. Uh, maybe not. Well, it's a little bit easier than you than you might think. Uh, know this. Every blogger is just like you. More often than not, they're writing from home. You know, or some coffee cafe uh, uh, on on a local street corner. So, what will make your blog is- interesting is being genuine, authentic writing that is true to who you are. Pick areas of expertise. You know, things that you really do enjoy and that you know about. Uh, you may want to blog about golfing, the the golfing adventures of Steve Marbert. You know, once he, <laughs> once he retires, that, you know that would be cool Some because day right. might might be Gordon. You know, that's pretty cool. And and who knows, you might be sponsored by Titleist. You know, um, anyway, there, there's just there's fun ways to do this and connect with people. Uh, who knows where you might end up? It could even, like I said, earn you an extra dollar or two uh, along the way. Yeah, sounds like fun. I mean, I think that's a great idea, you know. I mean, it's a way to, to particularly if you like writing, it's a way to, to get out there and, you know, write your feelings about the things in retirement that you're passionate about and, um, you know, maybe help some folks just by giving them useful information at the same time people feel like they get to know you, you absolutely know? You it's, a, it's a, new it's friends a, that way over the internet it's a creative outlet it really yeah. is and it's cheap i mean it doesn't cost anything to to go do it i mean anybody can blog that's right you really can i think it's cool i think i, I love reading blogs i love reading uh you know people's stories and, and about people you know, I, i'll read an article on the internet and i will go down and look at the comments just because um the comments tend to to tell you more about the people you get more insight in Mm -hmm. the people and their reaction to a story than you do the actual story so well if you're interested in any of these blogs we're going to put uh the links on our facebook page on uh, facebook money md we'll have those up there sometime uh be sure to check it out and click on one of them and uh just read yeah yeah it's All right. Great, great story. All right. Good deal. That leads up, brings us up to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. There are more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions at info at moneymd.net. We'd love to hear from you. Or give us a call, 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Have a good one. Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed local provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor, security sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIP. Jesus is